If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good, a very early morning, Roxy Soxy. Good. Normal time of the day for me, Tamman. I mean, this is three days in a row for us. You getting sick of me? I know. You're making me get up at five (laughs) freaking a.m. I don't like this. I I don't like that. Literally, when I wake up in uh, Australia, your day is over. So every (laughs) single person has texted or emailed me or just decided to get off the chest, whatever they want to. And I wake up at 6 a.m. and there's like a barrage of emails and text messages. And I'm like, I'm I'm so depressed already. <laughs> See, Eva, what was the rule we learned yesterday? We do not open our phone and immediately look at emails, texts, social media. No, no but I do. I do. I don't even like go to the bathroom. I don't even go pee. I like definitely go check my emails before any of that happens. <laughs> I will hold it. <laughs> You're like, I will not do it. Um, I will not do it. Yes. Yes. So, um, we've had this, we've around this really great streak. I feel like, right. It's like right. day three of all these killer, killer interviews. And I am so stoked for our next guest. I know we've been know. manifesting this one a lot, right? It's I know been- I used it for, for many years. I would, you know, my guilty pleasure would be like, I work so hard mm-hmm. and then I put the kids to bed and then I turn on shark tank. It's mm-hmm. actually one of my favorite shows um all the people on the show are pretty extraordinary but they have such an amazing dynamic and Mm. there's a lot of shows that don't seem to be symbiotic and actually work and that show really does um yes of course it's about investing and people building their dreams but it's so much more than that Mm -hmm. there's like this cohesiveness and connection with the with the hosts um and one of them who's not just a host of shark tank she's also like built a massive empire (laughs) can you explain who we have on today because i actually dreamt about her all night last night And she was giving me advice. She was giving me like advice about what I should do with my money or whatever in my dreams. So maybe she'll do that in in real life now too. Oh my gosh. No, that would be the best. Gone into like the best Barbara Cahill ever, just listening to her and like reading all the things she says. But um, if you don't already know her, which I think everyone does at this point, but she is an investor. She is an author. She is a podcast host. She created one of the most successful real estate companies, the Corcoran Group, um, in the world. Uh, she, as you mentioned, is one of the stars of Shark Tank. We love her wit. We love her fun. And this is why I think she would work perfectly for us on our next Girls Night Out. You want to hear? <laughs> yeah, tell me. Um, she loves a fine, dry uh, white wine, Pinot Grigio, oh. as much as we do. As much as oh, we do. Oh, yes. We so like we, a good white wine on yes, a Friday night. <laughs> yes. So without further ado, please, let's welcome Miss Barbara Corcoran. Woo! We had the wine right here. I'm in the mood. It's late in New York. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes. We're so excited. You can drink at 5 a.m. in Australia, can't you? Isn't that no. okay? Not okay. <laughs> Not okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Barbara. Sorry, Barbara. We are going to get 
dive into your story. I, mm-hmm. I did, I, like um, Roxy was saying, I did a deep dive into your story. And I didn't know this, but you actually had undiagnosed, my brother has it too, dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And you were labeled as a kid who wasn't that smart, who was probably not going to achieve what you were going to achieve. And mm-hmm. you said that you used that um, and it actually is what helped you build your empire. Can yes. you explain a little bit, of, a, a bit about that around that time of your life? Yeah, of course. You know, most kids who have learning differences, as they're mm-hmm. more politically correctly called today, um, they discover them somewhere between the ages of uh, 7 and 10, 11. And they're usually the dunce at school. That was my situation, as it was for so many other kids. Um, but what dyslexia in the simplest terms is, is a child has the ability almost from the time they're one and a half to think and put pieces together in pictures. Whereas the undyslectic child or the more normal child, as it's Mm -hmm. called, uh, can think in symbols. Uh, The Mm -hmm. dyslexic person never learns to think beyond pictures. So they can only understand words that they can picture like dog. They'll never understand the word there or her because they can't picture what that looks like. And so when you have that liability, of course, the downside is you can't learn to read or write. And I didn't learn to read or write till I was in seventh grade. And being the dumb kid in school, being made to read out loud is a young child's uh, version of hell on earth, really. You learn shame in the classroom at a time in your life you're trying to find out what you're made of and who you might be, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a terrible curse when a child is not diagnosed and doesn't get special help. But the upside is the great majority of phenomenal entrepreneurs I've met who have built from scratch, think in pictures, and so many of them are dyslexic. And so when you can think in pictures, it's a four-dimensional picture. So you could see a plan. uh, You could see uh, 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 like a structure of what's going to happen from the sky down. It's not just flat dimensional. And it becomes a tremendous asset. And you also become hyper aware of people. So you don't see a child who's saying, hi, Joe, but you see a child who's saying, hi, Joe, he's doubting you and he's self-conscious about his T-shirt. You pick up those cues. And so it makes you hypersensitive, which is a negative as a child, but as an adult, it makes you people smart. Mm -hmm. And those are the two traits that honestly, if I didn't have, I would have never built a business. I'm more people smart than most people I know. I'll brag about it because I have such narrow talents. And the other thing I can do see in living color what's going to come down and see it as though it actually exists because I can picture it so clearly. And so that's my wrap up or my best description of what goes on and why it's a liability and why it can be a tremendous asset if people could identify it in themselves and use it. Well, I think too, you're such a good team builder and brand builder because you know what your strengths are, but you also know what your shortcomings are. So you're able to construct a team of players that are able to play with each other. And that's sort of how Tamman and I are. We're sort of like a yin and a yang, the things that she's good at, I might not be so good at. And the things that, you know, I excel in, maybe she doesn't excel in as much. Excuse me. I excel in everything, Roxy. She's absolutely perfect. perfect. (laughs) There's nothing she doesn't excel in, but it's, (laughs) it's this amazing sort of ability that you have, which I think is such a valuable lesson. Um, Mm that you're able to see in people, you know, those kinds of things. So is that something that you think you just over time sort of learned? Or was that already just so innate in you? No, I think that was a part of the benefit of of learning differently. Mm -hmm. What happens, and I'm sure anyone can identify with this, 
If you're a loser in any situation, you never look at the next loser the same way again. You develop something called empathy. Mm-hmm. If you're a kid, uh, like with horrific acne, mm-hmm. you can't like look at someone who has a problem 10 years later and look at that kid, oh, how disgusting. Your heart breaks for them. Mm-hmm. What happens when your heart breaks and you learn empathy, you can get in the shoes. You have an innate ability to see it from the other guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? It's important in hiring the right people. It's important in negotiating. It's important in choosing the right partners. Mm-hmm. It's important in so many regards. That that simple card of empathy, there's not a lot of value put on it today. It's kind of mm-hmm. like people take uh, This idea of walking in someone else's shoes is in short supply. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to building anything, camaraderie, a community, a family, a workplace, uh, that empathy card and appreciation for the other guy mm-hmm. and the way they might feel differently is tremendous in building a team. And if you apply it to business and dollars and cents, mm-hmm. you can really build a very successful business because you're so uh, your strong suit is with people. Mm-hmm. That empathy, I think, is the root of it. I'm sure there's more involved, but that's. Yeah. The- mm-hmm. It's interesting because we've had a lot of guests in this field on this show and they've also said vulnerability they've Mm -hmm. also said you know when you are the head of a team and you come across like you're not you never do anything wrong and everything's perfect and everyone must be at the top standard what happens is people they have a lot of fear and when they have a lot of fear they're kind of not doing their best job so when you said empathy vulnerability like showing people that you're also human Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's one of the best things and why i'm so drawn to you as as a as a successful woman but you know not everyone it can be as successful as you meaning you know you have some, there's something about you that is different than a lot of people because they say most people stay average, right? Mm-hmm. Most people stay stuck. They stay average. Um, not because they don't want, a lot of people want to be very successful, but they really don't know how. So there has to be something about you that there's traits within you that is the mm-hmm. secret to your success. Do you know what those are? Do you know how you've built such an amazing business and, and people who want to build a business like yours and follow in your footsteps that they can follow those same, those traits or those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have to say I cheat on this one because I learned it from my mom, just by example, mm-hmm. as we told you with parents, you're going to do what they do, not what they say, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but with my mother, uh, she had the great ability to see her 10 kids and decide almost on the day of their birth, what she thought their gift was. Mm. Wow. That seems like humble, humble, what is it? Hubble jubble or whatever that word is, witchcraft kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. She wasn't that kind of woman, but uh, she really believed if you had a gift, you had that gift. And as stubborn as she might be, mm-hmm. uh, she believed it heart and soul. And by the time you were three, you believed it. I mean, you, you're so influenced. If somebody's going to mm. tell you you're a walking God, you're going to eventually, by three years old, think you're a walking God, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. all did that. For me, she said I had a wonderful imagination. For my brother T, she said he's going to be a, fa- a fabulous dancer. For my sister, mm. she's going to be the most caring human being in the world. She was uncannily right on everything. Mm-hmm. And so what I think, uh, other than, I think at the root of choosing good people and being able to build teams, mm-hmm. I believe I have an innate optimism that mm-hmm. everybody does have something exceptional. And it's just a matter of figuring out what it is and how you could use it. And I selfishly, in a real way, with anyone I met or hired, I'm always saying, how can I use them? And use maybe is the wrong word because it sounds like use, it's like abuse. I don't mean that. I mean like, 
what do they have that's magic and how does it fit my universe? How can I take advantage of it to help them and to help me? And that was mm-hmm. always my agenda. And even a co- even if I meet someone at a, a cocktail party, it's not really a conversation. It's an interview, honestly. I don't know how I'm going to use you, but I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I put you in my business? Yes, yes. So, so I, think, I think having a spin, I, I think about these people <clears throat> who think they've remained average. Um, and, and I would say half people who remain average are very happy average. There's nothing wrong with that. They're a lot happier, right. really successful people, honestly. All right. Mm. But if they're average and wishing and like they shortfall and shortfell themselves, they wish they could be more. I think it has a lot to do with who they bumped into, who saw the light, mm. in the whether it be the parent, whether it be the school teacher that took you around the bend, whether it be an influential friend or an older person or someone you ran into business who believed in you, a boss that got behind you. I mm. think any of those are simply pot luck. So what happens between the person who's average and doesn't want to be average and the person who really doesn't want to be average, mm. person who exceeds average, a lot of it, I hate to just write off, but a lot of it's luck. I mean, if I didn't get yeah. that guy walking into mm-hmm. my diner counter right. and giving me $1,000 to quit my job as a waitress and start a real estate business, would I have met anybody else? I doubt it. There was nobody mm-hmm. in New Jersey like that at that time. He was one in a billion. And so mm-hmm. that you have to really credit, some people say God, I call it luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the die. Uh, but mm-hmm. for those people who were disappointed, I think very often they needed a hand somewhere along the way that they didn't get. Mm-hmm. And I love the story that you tell about when um, the, this first boyfriend um, left with the secretary and oh. how he said, <laughs> how he said yeah. that, yeah, how he said you would never be successful mm-hmm. without him and how that drove you like hell, you were not going to be su- mm-hmm. not successful without him. So like, can you give our listeners a little bit of like that fire, like what that ignited in you? Mm-hmm. No, uh, they say, uh, beware of the scorn of a woman. I guess I discovered that that day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I never thought of myself as aggressive. I thought of myself as a hard worker, mm-hmm. hard worker. I felt like I never met anybody who could equal my work ethic, except mm-hmm. my mother who exceeded it with the 10 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, when he said, you'll never succeed without me, it was insult to insult. Bad enough, he, he ran over my secretary is better looking than me. If she was okay, <laughs> I think maybe she's smarter, you know, mm. she was better looking younger. I'm like, ah, I was already scarred. But mm. when, uh, Ramon said to me, you'll never succeed without me when I left him and started my own firm, because I just mm-hmm. didn't see them after a year loving each other in my old desk. <laughs> No. Did you give that desk away? I hope yes. sold it, burned it. <laughs> I left the office, so I, 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 I hope I read one day that that desk burned to the ground, <laughs> right? <laughs> like burned in flames. Uh, but I must say that uh, that was the day I discovered the power of an insult. Mm, and yeah, you know what you're made of. You know, some people uh, are uh, perfect victims, really. And there's so many reasons to be a victim in life. My God, life deals you enough stuff mm. where you can really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I didn't think of myself as a victim. I just thought of myself as a good plugger or worker. But when he said that, mm. I turned into, I don't know if I turned into a woman or an animal that day or a savage, mm-hmm. but I knew I would rather die. I'd do anything than let him see me and I succeed. I felt that fire that I had never felt before. Mm. And 
God, he gave me a gift of a lifetime because I look back at the many, uh, the, the trials and tribulations and the impossible times you come through in business that, that we all do if, you, if you're building a business from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, uh, if I didn't have those words echoing in my ear, I would have more graciously failed many times, but I didn't mind mm-hmm. failing in front of my people. I didn't mind calling my parents. I didn't mind my friends. You know, they all love me. They're going to accept me. But the idea that he would go, did you hear she failed? I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it yeah. See that fire that I really needed, that mm-hmm. extra, it was really a kiss. He gave me a weird kind of a kiss of good mm-hmm. luck, actually, you know, in hindsight. So I'm so thankful. That don't feel it at the time, but life's funny. You know, most of the bad things always turn good when you look back. A lot of it's stinking thinking, but a lot of it's true, you know? Yeah. I totally believe in, you know, using your pain into purpose. I was, um, I talk about this a lot on my social media. I was like 200 pounds and I was bullied severely when I was a kid. And I remembered there's this one moment. I remember I was sitting at the school dance and this guy, it was my first crush. And I thought he was going to walk up to me and say like, would you like a dance? And he came up to me and he said, Hey Tam. And I said, yes. And he goes, you need to go to Jenny Craig. And I remember, I remember that moment, that moment changed my entire higher life. I decided to be healthy. This is in the beginning. And then I developed some issues later, but in the beginning, I decided to be healthy. I exercised, I ate well, I lost a hundred pounds. And then I got on a TV show, which is one of the biggest TV shows in the world within five months. And it was like that moment. And I, like you said, if that moment, if the secretary mm-hmm. hadn't <laughs> been on your desk that you're going to burn to the ground, or he hadn't said, go to Jenny Craig, I don't know if I would have gotten that push of that pain. Maybe it was that pain yeah. that just turned my life into purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the questions I really wanted to ask you was, you know, we are a female driven podcast and, you know, we talk about this a lot in the room. We have a lot of men, you know, when we're in business, there's a lot of men in the room. Um, do you feel like you have to prove yourself more and to work harder because you are a woman? No, I have to say that never crossed my mind ever when mm. I was business. I was more acutely aware of the clubs that are part of society, the uh, clubs that I wasn't a member of. Mm. And self-conscious about not being a member, like the old boys club, the real estate industry was owned by men, mm-hmm. men driven by men, third generation. I was a kid from New Jersey, didn't know how to dress. I mean, did I fit in? No. Did they look down on me? Yes. Was it a gift that they looked down on me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I remember promising early on that subtle insult, that quiet insult that sometimes are the most painful ones, you know, the mm-hmm. subtle and me thinking to myself, Wait till I'm your number one competitor. I mean, it was preposterous that I would even have that thought. But I remember seeking comfort in that, you know. But I never walked into a room, honestly, not thinking a female was an advantage because I had rooms of men, navy blue and dark gray suits. I'd walk in and I had great legs, but one good ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was noticed and they, they never knew my name, but oh, the girl, the girl, the, I was clearly a girl. If I had tried to mimic them, I don't think it would have worked. But I, I don't think I ever thought of men at all as men and me as a female or mm-hmm. asset or liability. I think I thought of them as competitors mm-hmm. because I'm so, so competitive by nature mm-hmm. that I would go after things they wanted when I didn't even want them. I would just go after them and see if I could take them away, which is kind of sick if you think about it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think I just was so focused on wanting to compete and win that the rest of the detail kind of faded to the side. Mm-hmm. And today here, um, I really, you know, my office here is uh, 90% female. Mm-hmm. Uh, my corporate group was 90% female, not through choice, but because the men didn't want to work for me. 
Uh, they were mm. they didn't want to walk into a sea of 500 women. I mean, what healthy guy wants to do that, right? Mm. Um, but yes, I, for me, that wasn't a card. I, I know I should say it was a blah, 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 a big part of being a woman today, but it, not for me. It didn't play that way. And you know, I was too busy worried about could I buy a nice suit to wear a pretty dress? <laughs> could I pay the phone bill? Or did, could I take a taxi? Or could I talk the client into walking 12 blocks because I didn't have the money to pay the taxi? You know, my mind was on all those survival things versus like, oh, God, I'm a woman, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, we were talking, we had an episode earlier this week um, with, a, with a guy um, that came on our show guy in business. And he, you know, we got to the, onto the subject of women harnessing their sexual power, mm. um, not necessarily doing anything unethical, but just, you know, harnessing that sort of innate sexual power that we sometimes have when we walk into a like group her. of men, right. An office. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that is the right thing to do to kind of, to, you know, be able to use that as a plane ship, or do you think that that's something that should be left at the door? Why would you right. leave from the door? You think the guy who got the tailor-made shirt and worked out at the gym and you can see how his chest is carved and he's got the right cool Gucci tie, mm-hmm. you think he's not playing his card? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, leans over and go, whoa, is a hot guy? Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, should you go in looking like a stripper? Probably a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your asset is, whatever your gift is, whatever your gifts are, whatever looks best can put forward. Why wouldn't you put it forward on day to day living and business? I always did. I can distinctly remember consciously telling men in business meetings once I started meeting with the Donald Trumps and the big developers of the world, sitting in the business meeting and agreeing with their stupid ideas. Mm. I was say, amazing, amazing. Was I right being phony? Was I right being the girl going amazing and they're flattered and they're Mm. flattered? Perhaps not. But I learned that in 20 minutes, I would get my idea across if I just. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you just manipulation, I guess, female manipulation, women. Mm. have. That's what we talked about. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something. Men have traits that they manipulate with. Mm -hmm. Mm. They're using with their masculinity. And I think to hold back on any of your feminine charm and ways and attractiveness, uh, not to sleep to the top, so to speak, (laughs) but why not? It's good marketing. It's physical, personal marketing. We brand everything today. Why not brand yourself and bring your best asset forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to crazy, not to crazy, not to right. And it's that book we're having the author on on this show, but the Forty Eight Laws of Power, you know. And one of that laws is seduction. It doesn't have to be like Roxy was saying. It doesn't have to be like you walk in the room and you've got your clothes off. But you know, there is there is a different feel, and the room and the atoms in the air changes when a woman walks into a male room. and then it can go both ways. Either people want to listen to you or they don't. But you're, I agree with you. How many times have I sat down with the head of Sony BMG when I had a record contract and just tell everyone that their ideas were so great so that I would be heard? And women, and I believe, I was talking about this before, and like people think manipulation is a dirty word, but I feel like women have had to learn how to manipulate a situation because they haven't been heard in so many ways. And they haven't been, the like if they're in a room, they're not listened to as much. And they're not taken as seriously. So women have had to learn how to manipulate around a situation mm-hmm. but you know what uh, think about it uh, the men have had many generations to learn how to manipulate around the boardroom the golf course 
mm-hmm. knowing the right power players and having access, right? Mm-hmm. There's no apologies on that. And there shouldn't be. I think men should take advantage of whatever they've got going for them. But I think whatever the whatever is, uh, there are no rules about what men use, what women use. You use your advantages, whatever they might be, because who in life really wants to say to someone, don't use your strengths in life. Of course you use your strengths in life. You want the best out of living, right? Mm -hmm. And our children the same. Very different today, I must say. The women that I hire today are vastly different Mm -hmm. than the women I hired 30 years ago to build my company as I was coming up through the ranks. Um, They're more confident. They Mm -hmm. speak up. Uh, They're more more heard by it because they have a lot of female bosses. That helps a heck Mm -hmm. of a lot. They're smarter. I don't know if they're smarter or know they're smarter, and therefore you hear they're mm. smart. But I find it's a whole different generation now. It's such there has been a tremendous change in the self. Uh, I don't like the word self empowerment, but this the self confirmation. Mm-hmm. Think so, and I think we've come a long way. Maybe not in Wall Street again with your head slamming against the ceiling, uh, but we have come a long way in our own self power, and I mm. think. Uh, I think with that unleashed, uh, it's, 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 it gains momentum, like a wave rolling in, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's interesting too, with the changing of the tides um, for women in business, also moms in business, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, Mm For so long, it's also fighting for that voice. You know, we were trying to, you know, get somewhere in business. And sometimes people think it's not smart to hire a mom because she's got other responsibilities at home. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I find if you want to get the job done, hire a mom because they're some of the best time management people in the world. They have so much to get done in such a constricted amount of time that they're some of the best candidates to hire. You know, um, I must say that when I was hiring as a young woman, I'm embarrassed to admit that I had that card in my head. Mm. If I hired a woman that was uh, great sales potential because I made my living by choosing accurately who would make a phenomenal salesperson, which isn't so easily done when you don't have experience. Mm-hmm. How do you know somebody's going to be a powerhouse salesperson? Very hard to assess. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do that as best I could over the years. But the women uh, that I hired then, very often if a young woman, I, I would always question, oh, you're engaged. Oh, you're planning a family. There was a timeline in my head. I was a boss mm-hmm. building my business, reliant on that individual. I want to know how long I had them. Did that get in my mm-hmm. way of not hiring them? And no. Would it get in my way of seeing them differently? Yes. I must admit, day one, I saw them as not a part-timer, but a short-timer, a Mm. light part-timer. So I didn't invest myself as well in a woman who was like 35, coming back to the workforce. Her kids were already late high school, Mm -hmm. and she wanted to prove she could do something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were the women I built my empire with. So I, I think it does factor in about hiring moms who really... Uh, aren't committed to staying at work. But when you get a mother mm-hmm. who wants to stay at work and mm-hmm. do both, the aggressiveness they bring to the platform is amazing. Uh, they're usually your best mothers. They're not unanswered mothers who wish they could have done something more with their mm-hmm. life and said about mm-hmm. themselves. I'm, and now I'm stereotyping. I don't mean everyone. I'm just saying, you know, basically, you know what I'm thinking as I'm talking, I'm, I'm realizing for myself, I basically, uh, I would try to hire happy people. 
and where they were in their lifespan had a lot to do with who I chose and who I didn't. So if they were not happy till they started the family, I would see unhappiness coming from me and that as a great, uh, great worker. If they were looking for happiness because they hadn't found it yet, they were right up my alley. Come mm. with me, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I'm not sure even what I just said. I think I went a big, big, big fat circle. It was still amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think in, in business though, I think that there's so much untapped potential with mother. I mean, I have two small kids. I, I work harder now than I've ever worked. Um, the only issue that I have is there's not a lot of space or facilities or anything so that I can work at my truest potential. Like if I was working for a company and I was working my butt off, but still had a three-year-old, it'd be so great if we could have the conversations where like, maybe there's a childcare uh, in that company or something like that. So the woman can work her ass off and be the best of her ability, but she still has, you know, some kind of help. And especially in America, I'm from Australia. So that is just innately in you go, you work for a company here, they have childcare, you have paid time, all those things actually happen here, but it's hard for the mother to work at her top utmost abilities when there's just Mm. nothing, there's no support in any way, Mm. you know, even if she could be incredible for a business. Yes. You know, Tamin, uh, you touch on something that is so true about America and so backward about America compared mm-hmm. to many other countries, not all, but many countries. Um, I have to say to you, um, I had an interesting experience. I had no children until I had my first baby at 46. And that was after seven years of in vitro. I didn't think Tommy would ever come. But once I had that baby, I really didn't know what it was like for the women who were working and also raising children. I, from day one, the day he was born, had sibling rivalry, mm. fighting in my soul every day of my life. I wanted to be mm. a super mom at work. I wanted to be a super mom at my son and mm-hmm. putting those pieces together. And I had the money, certainly by then. I had a big business to hire the best help, my best mm-hmm. support, but Still, it was an enormous, enormous challenge because, mm-hmm. because you're in two places when you're mom. I don't care. I'm not sure if it's really often true of men, but it is certainly true of mothers. Mm-hmm. That's rivalry going on. But I could have never built my business, never if I had been drawn and quartered between business and kids. I couldn't have. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. the focus. Mm-hmm. But to your exact point, it is such a shortfall that businesses don't have that. They would be paid back five times over. Absolutely. Yep. Kid and have peace of mind through a work day and maybe go and have lunch. It would be like you would work for two thirds of the pay or maybe even half the pay. Even mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that, you know? Because it's a quality of life issue. You know, we are moving more toward people demanding quality of life because of COVID. People have really sized up what's worth it and what ain't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're in, a, in the midst of a subtle change on all those fronts, including which you just spoke about. I think it's changing. And when you're spending more for the childcare than you're making it work, it just doesn't make sense yeah, doesn't for make a lot sense. of people. Like how do people work so hard and then all their money's gone by getting, and then there's that conversation, well, then you shouldn't have had a child, but, 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 but we are, we are creating the people of tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. if everyone thought that, then we, humanity would stop. So, you know, we need to keep having, we need to keep having children. We just need to make it work for businesses and, you know, for ourselves as well, you know? Well, maybe women will bring about that change. Women who, who uh, grow very large businesses today and could afford to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll see it start right there. It seems appropriate it would be starting there, but yet, 
as I'm standing here, I'm thinking what companies are doing that right now that are female led. And I don't really think there are interesting. Mm. Mm. About it. Yeah. We're not America that I know of. Or else mm. it's very small. You're right. I know for me, I put off having kids because I was afraid of how that would affect my career. You know, for me, I kind of pushed it off and pushed it off, you know, and it, and it's sad because had I known, you know, it would only enrich my yeah. entire life. So then um, therefore my mm-hmm. career would be enriched. It's like a, it's a cyclical effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Roxy, could you imagine if you concluded or waited so long that in the end you decided just not to have kids or maybe Gosh. never made the decision? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I hit my knees and say, thank God for Tom and Katie. I mean, I've had such a fulfilling life on every end. Nothing mm-hmm. I would take back, you know, bury me tomorrow. I'm going to go down with a smile on my face. But that one section of, you know, the ability to be a mother, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. for everybody. I have a baby right. sister, one of 10 who never wants kids, never had them, will never contemplate it. Mm-hmm. It's not for her, but it's for you. Oh my God, the most, it makes your teeth hurt thinking about mm, being mm-hmm. able to do that and missing out on that. Ah! I'd have to kill myself. Yeah. So you talk about in vitro because you said you went through in vitro for seven years. I had a lot of miscarriages. So I had my first daughter at 28 and then I wanted to have another one pretty soon after that. Um, as an actor, you can kind of do that in your hiatus. And um, I had, I just kept having miscarriages after miscarriages after miscarriages. And that is the first time, like I've always felt because of the bullying in my past, I've always felt that little nugget of failure, right. And like being a loser or failing because of the bullying, but I've overcome that. That was the first real time that I was faced with, oh my goodness, maybe I'm going to fail at this. Maybe I'm going to fail at having a child. And you spent seven years in in vitro for uh, in vitro. And how did that make you feel like you were so successful as a woman in business, but yet you weren't being able to get pregnant? Did that failure card come in and did it like affect Mm -hmm. your whole world and what you were doing at the time? Well, you know, I've always had the great ability to, uh, focus my whole life. So when I was at work, I was working, you know, 14, 16 hour days every day of my life and loved it. It wasn't even work, obviously. Um, but when I got, you know, you wait the 10 days with in vitro and then you find out yeah. right, when they implant you with the embryo. Uh, on that 10th day, my secretary, Sylvia, who's like my Jewish mom, I called her. She was 30 years mm-hmm. older than me and so caring to me in every way. Yeah. I mean, and Sylvia would say, I'm so sorry. And mm. she had gotten the call from the doctor. I'm telling you, as weird as it sounds, and I had no right to think that way, but I thought I was pregnant for those 10 days. And to hear that, it felt, you know, I swear to God, it felt each time like a death of a child. Like I had mm. no right to feel that way. What did I do with it? I went back to mm-hmm. work. I just like turned, sat at my desk and tackled the next project. My work saved me through that period. If I hadn't had a overwhelming job and overwhelmingly in love with the people that worked for me and my partners and everything. Um, I don't think I could have done stuck it out that long. I maybe would have made two attempts and called it a day. Mm-hmm. I discovered later that I could have adopted. I should have thought of that sooner. It's a lot less painful. I adopted my second child. <laughs> <laughs> Three months later, I have a baby. No pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a way to do it. Terrible thing. I don't know how you would come. I, I, I didn't think of that as a miscarriage myself, which mm-hmm. you probably did, Tavin. For me, it was the loss of a child that I, that I had, which of course was ridiculous because I never it had. still feels that way though. Mm-hmm. So terrible. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a personal, uh, it's, 
it's a personal, not shame, but mm. the way I used to think. I used to think I, my mother had 10 kids like rabbits. My sisters had three, four kids each. My brother's wives got pregnant. I thought I had a God-given right to be a mother. And mm. when I got over that, oh, I can't get pregnant. Oh, what, what do you mean? You know? um, yeah. Very hard to accept. It's almost like saying to a man, I'm sorry, sir, you can never work again for the rest of your life. It's equivalent to that because for a woman, it's yeah. not given right. And if it's taken away, you haven't, nobody's taken it away. But somehow I always picture that as part of my, I'm ready. Yeah. Seven, ten, baby. Do you know- Do you know, it's also like, I think a valuable lesson in parenthood in that it shows you, you don't have control, right? Ultimately, like when you have kids and like things, you know, things start happening, it's Mm -hmm. kind of just shows you that in fact, you know, you are not as in control as you feel, you know, like, right. And you have to sort of surrender to it and keep trying. But that I think too is really important. You know, if, if the truth be known, I had a, something else going for me, which was uh, something that a lot of people don't have. I could afford to go. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. At that point, I think each try was about $10,000. Mm-hmm. Know, I know many uh, would-be parents who had saved the money to try once. That's all they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never took that for granted because I was aware of, thank God I made money or I couldn't do this. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so that's in our wealth plays a part there too on options always mm-hmm. in any. And there's, I, I still think that when you're saying maybe it's not shame, I do feel like women are taught to be like, that's why we only say that we're pregnant three months in. Right. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had said I was pregnant. So I lost my first, I call it a baby at almost three months. So I birthed that baby, whatever on the floor in our home and they're like, it was formed in some way. And it's like, I didn't tell anyone for Mm -hmm. so long. I didn't even, and again, social media, you don't have to share everything. But then the minute I shared my miscarriage stories, I felt like other women felt seen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there is that, that is that inherent shame that women feel when they can't get pregnant. Because like you said, it's what we're meant to do. It's what Mm -hmm. we should do. It's what our bodies are designed to do. So -hmm. when you want it and you can't have it, it's a massive shock to the system. Mm -hmm. And it's that shame that really, I think women feel shame more than men do. I mean, maybe that's a generalization, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we've been taught to feel shame. Mm -hmm. And you know what else I think is a big part on that, not to belabor the subject, but I think to um, I think being not allowed to have a cup for your love makes a hell of a difference. Like mm-hmm. I felt I have so much love to give. I know I'd be a great mom. I had a great mom. I'd be a great mom. I know mm-hmm. and I wanted to give that somewhere and it stuck with yourself. You know, you mm-hmm. can't pour your love. I mean, I pour your love on your husband for the first seven years or so. And then it's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the kids now. Yeah. And then the kids grow up and you're like, wait, we have to oh, talk to each other. <laughs> or you both because I'm old enough to be a mother. And I can tell you when your kids are grown, uh-huh. when they're in their 20s, you're about to learn the, <laughs> the yeah. lesson that you can't control them and you don't have them anymore. I am uh. still in shock with my 28 year old son that he married somebody. <laughs> And then he doesn't want to come for dinner every Sunday. I'm angry every week. <laughs> yeah. You, you loan your kids. I would start adjusting your brain to the reality that sooner or later they're going to leave. In my little mind, they're never going to leave me. I'm too I great. know. Because they're so needy, right? My yeah. two are so young that they just, they need me. Mom, 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 mom. 
And I'm just like, oh, but it goes so fast. Life just goes oh. so, I feel like it's moving so fast. Yeah, I mean, you're so um, acknowledging that because mm -hmm. I'm telling you, every woman who's raised children will tell you the younger years are the best years of your life. And they are as exhausted oh. as you are. You yeah. can't make ends meet. If you rattle to death, it's still the most delicious years of your life loving your child. <laughs> Oh, it's the greatest source of pain and the greatest source of love, like all wrapped into one. Well, God has a sense of humor. What do right? you mean? <laughs> Those little butts, you know, because I've got a two oh, and a half year old, squishy. one of them. And it's just like, oh, I just want to bite her. And she's always like, mom, stop. And I'm like, I can't. I need to eat you. <laughs> and then the problem is you just want more. Like I've got yeah. two and I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't have a third. But like, I just don't want that age to stop you know yeah. it's because you see the world again I think when you have children from me this is how I can explain it someone's like what is it like having kids I started to believe in magic again mm -hmm. I started to believe in like well what is what is the sky what is touch what is smell like we don't stop long enough because we're all working women and we're just constantly going to the next thing and it's like you don't take that time to just smell a flower that you're mm -hmm. walking past or to actually feel the rain. And as trite as that might sound, it's just like, I feel that we start to, we start to live again. We mm -hmm. like we reborn and we start to see life again. And that was just the biggest thing for me is just when I saw my child come out of my body, I was like, I believe in kind of all of it, manifestation, luck, God, the universe, all of it. And it was just like, there's something special that is far greater than I can even comprehend when I saw a human come out of my body. I know we like everyone talks about having babies and like we actually create human beings in our bodies and then they come out into the world. I think that's pretty wild. Let's give them a little credit. They had something to do with it. I, well, they were there for the two seconds of fun. Right. What am I lying? The, the, the half a second. Come on. If you're lucky. <laughs> But it teaches you to live in the now, you know, and it's like, stop. And it's like you're saying, stop and smell the roses and like, don't think too much about tomorrow just yet, you know, and it's, it's for people like us that are going, 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 working, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a really valuable lesson to learn. I think, so, um, I think it's not, it's valuable to learn. And yet I don't think women or moms as a whole mm -hmm. really practice it nearly right. as much as they can. When I look back at all the years and all the things and all the parties and all the trips and all the wonderful occasions with my two kids, you know, and I think, what was the best time in my life? Do you know the same picture comes to my mind was mm. with my son when we got something in a big box and it sat in the living room because I didn't want to break it down. And he sat in the box and asked me to get in with him. And mm. I met him that day and every day that week inside the box when I came home from work and we sat for an hour doing nothing in the box. And it's funny why that stays with me as the most delicious. I don't know what we talked about. I didn't even know if he was happy, but my memory of it was so much in the moment. Mm. Uh, but what was I really doing when I got out of the box? Worrying why he couldn't read. What's wrong with him? Get him the right tutor. Which school is he going to get admitted to? Does he have the right friends? I mean, mm. The number of hours I spent on anticipating what was next right. was probably 100 to 1 compared to anything I did in the moment. And not that I have any regrets, but if I could get pregnant again, I would get pregnant for sure at my age. But I would, I would just almost make a mental chart of how many moments I got out of the week versus how many times I was projecting to the next thing I was attending to. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just I still don't think we... 
I still am not enough in the moment in everything I do, but with your children, because it's a one chance and goes by so fast, you know, I just think it's worth really paying attention to that. You know, I feel sad. I'm one moment honest to God. Ah, I know. Like, I'm like literally about to cry. I'm like, I don't want to cry in front of Barbara. I'm not on her show. I have my wife. She turned me down. Uh, so you think, cause one of my questions was, you know, if you could tell your younger self something and I, mm. I don't know, I don't know if I'm like, I've been here before, but I've been like this since I was 17 years old. I've just been like, okay, like, what could I tell my younger self? Mm. And you know, my thing that I would tell my younger self, even though I'm still in my thirties is like, enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I've been a child actor since I was 14 and I have traveled the world. I've been so lucky. I've been with Richard Branson at dinner. Like I've met some amazing people. I've met you and I've had an extraordinary life at, in my thirties. And yet I don't fully know if I enjoyed the journey. I was always so afraid mm. that I was going to lose what I had when, whether it was, I was going to lose the TV show I was on and then be nothing, or I was going to lose the guy that I met or something would happen, the kid, whatever it was, I always was afraid that I was going to lose something. Mm. So my advice to myself would be to enjoy the journey. What would yours be? I want to comment on your advice to yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Softer edge. Tamin, you're in a, the most vulnerable business in the world, acting. Mm. Talent, right? I have to tell you something. I'm in the talent field now with fake talent. It's kind of how I look at it. It's almost like laughable to me. But if I hadn't built a business and found my myself and my capability mm-hmm. in a world where you could really measure it by dollars and cents and say I'm successful, the idea that I, in the first three years of Shark Tank, every day on that set thought, I'm terrible. They're going to get rid of me. They're going to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. Panicked about everything. All the endorsement deals, the speeches, by the week, I think they're going to go away. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a woman who had a whole lifetime of great confidence mm-hmm. and success where I could say, what am I afraid of? I've got the money. I've got the success. And yet uh, that insecurity runs with that kind of work you do. The idea that you could actually even be comfortable on a Tuesday without worrying about a Wednesday is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's such mm-hmm. a tough, tough field, you know? So you could tell yourself as a younger self all you want, but you should have picked a different field. It's very hard. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It was the only thing I was, I mean, maybe I'm better at things now, but it was the only thing like your mom said, it was the only thing I had a gift for. It was like, that was my gift was to tell stories and Mm -hmm. to make people feel something. And that was my gift. And so unfortunately it was a gift that was very hard (laughs) to make into. It wasn't, I was like, there's a lot of luck, but, um, it was, it's hard to make that into a career. I've been very grateful that I have, but you know. Yes. Well, in answer to your question, what would I have told myself? I never really thought about it because mm. I was so busy running. I never talked to myself, you know? Um, I don't know. Maybe I would have told myself to make sure I uh, spent enough time with my mother. Believe mm. it or not. Because as you get older and your mother gets elderly and eventually sick and you lose your parents, it makes you an mm. As the years go on without your parents, I think you're more acutely aware of how precious they are. Not that I didn't. I mean, I vacation with my parents. They're a very big part of my life. But if, you know, people say, if you could have one wish and who would you have dinner with or whatever, mm-hmm. I would say, my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's you know? amazing. 
So, you know, I, I think maybe I could have slanted more than involved them a little more in my life when I was so busy in my 30s and 40s, running up the, you know, running up that ladder. You know, I ignored them a little bit, yeah. but whatever. you do what you do, right? You do what yeah. you do. Want to learn, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, when you do have, because we're all human, we all have days when self-doubt creeps up and negative thoughts. And we talk a lot about that on the podcast about mental health and, um, you know, taking care of yourself. What are some things that you do to kind of, um, you know, pull that back and to kind of stop those thoughts or to like talk yourself out of that self-doubt? Well, one thing I do is I don't worry about the uh, small failures at Mm. all. I don't even think about them. Actually, I've trained my mind to not even think about them. They don't count. Almost Mm. like denial, I guess you would call it. (laughs) I've learned that every time I could get through even a small failure, there's always on the flip side of that an opportunity if I'm not busy feeling sorry for myself, you know, I, I think the most successful people in life, uh, they are, they might have other traits that less successful people have, mm-hmm. uh, but the most important thing is, uh, they don't feel sorry for themselves or they take less time feeling sorry for themselves. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Themselves. But what's the difference? I watch successful people and I watch not successful people and less successful people will milk a bad happening pretty long. Mm. It's the victim mentality, right? Right. With the cheese, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think I've done that for my own mental health to um, not allow myself to feel sorry for myself after a minute, pick up and, and look for, okay, what's the opportunity here? Cause there always is, it's like a ball that bounces hits the harder it hits, the higher it bounces. And Mm -hmm. all my successes have come at right on the heels of a failure. So I really believe that like some people, really believe that there's a God that created you. I really believe that when you have a failure, <laughs> if you just learn enough to stay in the game, you're going to see that big bounce of response, you know, because it's always been there if your eyes are open, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and so far as physical health, I just work out every other day for an hour. And so I do and I have an easy body, so I don't have to work that hard at it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it. That's my secret formula, which isn't so exciting, is it? I wish I could come up with a good. Well, no, it and, is. It's and the white wine. Stuck. White wine on the wine. wine. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have more white wine. That's <laughs> so. Uh, we have one or two more questions, and then we'll let you go. Although I could talk to you forever, but um, in two thousand, is this right? In two thousand and nineteen, you held a mock funeral for yourself. Is that true? <laughs> party, yeah. A lot of party. You did. Okay. So are you, cause this is Roxy and my greatest fear. Are you afraid of death? Cause yeah. I, this is what, this is what keeps me up every single night yes. from like at least 11 till 12. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. No, I'm not at least bit afraid of death because I think on my stone, I will put no regrets. Okay. Cause I haven't welched on anything. I did everything that, uh, you know, Tits to the metal, as they say. <laughs> nice. I, love tits to the metal. I love it. Oh my gosh. I want to put my tits to a metal. <laughs> I've always been afraid of getting old. By 30, I wondered why I wasn't father along. Oh my God, I'm losing my looks. By 40, I'm like, oh God. I remember at my 40th birthday, I called my mother and I said, I hate it. My tits are dropping. <laughs> and I look tired. When I feel lively, people say, oh, you look tired. I hate it. Right? That was before facelift number one. <laughs> I was going to oh, say, there are surgeons for that. You know? <laughs> Great advice was she said, why don't you run out and get yourself a new camera and take as many selfies as of yourself as you can. And I'm like, wait, she didn't hear my message here. She said, Cause then you could look at them next year, Barbara, and see how good you look this year. <laughs> I know. That's what I feel. I yes. was like five years ago and I'm like, why did I look so good? And I'm like, but in five years, I'll think that right now. Yeah. That it'll be, this I is the you, Everybody 
anyone who has pride doesn't mm-hmm. like getting older. Anyone who says, ah, it's better than the alternate, which is what I hear. I'm like, days I'd rather have the alternate. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks getting older. Everything mm-hmm. that you value, that you took for granted, suddenly disappears and you discover new things each day. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's terrible. I've always had a fear of getting older, but that's mm-hmm. the way it is. But I'm a believer in faces. I've had three. I only work from the neck up. No, that's true. And so and with the right bras and the panties, you can fix it in a good dress. Okay. But if you can get a great surgeon. Oh, great. Yeah. That's, that's the advice from our listeners. Get a facelift. Get a great surgeon. <laughs> it sounds so vain. And I justify it. Oh, I want my boobs a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. I have to have, but trust me, if I was in the media business, I'd have the same faces without a doubt, because, um, because it's just not, <laughs> I, I feel so vain saying this to you, but I feel better when I look better. I always have. And mm-hmm. so I'm working as hard as I could to look as good as I could without doing the whole yeah. box thing where I don't move. So I'm a believer in faceless to be happy, faceless, face. Well, right now I'm a believer in boob lifts. So yeah. one day <laughs> the children have erect havoc on the body. You see, uh, yeah. <laughs> next time we see you, like, I'll be like, oh, where's Tam? And all I can see is her breasts. <laughs> We're like, it's fine. One last question about um, Shark Tank. Yes, yes please. Uh, because, you know, everyone wants to know. We opened up some questions for our viewers, and oh. I thought one of the most creative ones was Mary Shag Kill, uh, Damon, Mark Cuban, and of course, Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. Mary Shag Kill. Well, Mary Shag Kill, I mustn't have been on the set that day. It doesn't even sound familiar. What was the oh, so Mary, No, you oh, have Mary, to marry someone, someone or shag someone or kill, kill someone. someone. And the three choices oh. are Damon, Mark, and Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, easy. Everybody would answer the same. I'd marry Mark. I've proposed him at least a dozen times. <laughs> I really have. He doesn't take me seriously. So thank you, Barbara. I'm brokenhearted. But <laughs> I need to marry Mark. He's that at all. He's genuine. He's a billionaire, not a millionaire. <laughs> good looking and yep. he's nice he's so generous i mean he's he's the whole package but he's got a great wife i hate to admit it Ugh, it's always that problem <laughs> shag shag who is shag who would i shag mm-hmm. yeah damon i'll tell you Dick <laughs> has the sexiest hands it can't just be the hands the way <laughs> well, you know what they say, big hands. You know what they say about their hands. <laughs> the way he uses them, like I know that would be my choice without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd kill Mr. Kill Wonderful Mr. because Wonderful. I've heard that. So why doesn't he say thank you? I don't understand that. Isn't isn't the whole meaning of life like love and gratitude? How did you know he doesn't say thank you? That's curious. Because you put it on your social media. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I realizes that I have written myself thank you notes on set and had him sign them like thank you Barbara for giving me your masseuse last night that you're looking for <laughs> all week and you let me have her in bed I love you and I have him sign Kevin I keep it I make him thank me he doesn't say thank you ever it's amazing and he knows I'm pissed over it oh, that guy. why doesn't why doesn't he mm. Um, honestly, I don't think anyone who feels thankfulness will say thank you. I think, hey, mm. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. The missing Gene. And I tell him, and I tell his wife she should leave him, but she doesn't. 
<laughs> <laughs> I say, I could give you a better job and you get a lot of thank yous on my side. <laughs> well, you are one in a million. We are so yes. grateful to have you here. Um, you girls. I got a lot of good Thank you so much. You put you that out them. there. This, right. this podcast is going to grow and we're going to tour one day and yes, next year. And, uh, We'll have you on you on our stage. You could do it sooner than next year. Oh. Okay. Well, isn't it December? <laughs> <laughs> Early next year. Early next year. Yeah. Yes. We need to put the pin in the calendar. It's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. Um, we guys, please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on Women on Top Official on Instagram and Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And we have a clubhouse group, Women on Top. But also, Barbara, please tell everybody where they can find you. And I know you have an amazing podcast as well. Yes, I do. It's called Business Unusual, and you can find it available or wherever you listen to podcasts. Everybody knows where to find podcasts. Come on. Everyone knows you. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows, knows you. I know. you are. Hello, Shark Tank. I, I, know. I mean, the list goes on. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. We love you. I am Tamin Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Going back to women on top. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.